You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Sarah Ashford. She does research at Neurophysiology Lab at U of A and is pursuing her interest in interior design. We'll be right back with Sarah. But first, let's talk about empathy. Empathy is the ability to understand and share someone's feelings. It's the thing that we all want, and it's so hard to do. When somebody really gives you empathy, they don't just understand that you're having a hard time. Oh, gee, that's tough. And give them, give you some advice and pat you on the back and send you on the way. They understand and feel what you feel. So it's very uncomfortable to experience empathy because somebody's telling you, you really hurt my feelings. And instead of saying, I didn't mean to, and you misunderstood me and coming up with a defense, you say, wow, that must have really hurt. I'm so sorry. It's different because you feel it. It's different because you don't stand aside from their feelings and look at them from some lofty position and say, oh, that's really tough. You, wow, you're going through some really hard stuff. Instead, you're right down there with them feeling what they're feeling, even if you caused it. This is a subject that comes up a lot between my boyfriend and I, where he feels that I've said or done something that hurt his feelings. And I know what he wants is for me to empathize and to feel it too, and to know how he feels and to feel it from the inside out. Not to say, oh, gee, I'm really sorry you felt that way. But to say, wow, that must have really hurt. I'm so sorry. It is such a difficult thing and such a beautiful thing to feel with someone. You feel right alongside them, the struggle that they're having, the pain that they feel. And it, I honestly believe it's what we all want. It's what I want. When I'm struggling and telling someone I'm having a really, really hard time, the last thing I want is for them to say, you know what you should do. What I want is just to hear, wow, that's really tough. That's a tough thing you're going through. And it hurts. I know how you feel. I feel it right now. And we don't like to do that because who wants to feel that way, right? But when you do, something magical happens. Something opens up inside. And suddenly you both feel better just for having shared that moment, for having made that connection, and for having really, really understood each other. So I'm on a little mission this week to be more available to feel what someone's feeling, even if it's not convenient, even if it makes me feel a little lousy for a minute, and to trust that we'll both feel better overall. All right. Today we have with us in the studio, Sarah Ashford. She does research at neurophysiology lab at U of A and is pursuing her interest in interior design. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the depression session. Hi, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. So what is new with you these days? What are you up to? What do you want to share with the folks? 
So God knew, I guess, that I'm really figuring out my a passion that I have with interior design that's been there all my life and has finally come into this hello, I'm here fruition. <laughs> and also knew in the past few months that I'm, I'm doing better than I want to say I've ever done in my life, depression-wise. Oh. Yeah, it's really, it's really amazing to me that honestly it was like from one day that it happened, I'm like, damn, I'm having a really good day. And three days later, I'm like, I've had three really good days. And then a month later, I'm like, holy cow, like, this is <laughs> awesome. And I'm still there, so I'm, I'm feeling good and trying to take it as it comes. <laughs> I know how you feel last week, actually. I was, that was what I was talking about, is feeling good and being mm -hmm. afraid that that oh, wouldn't God. last i'm that like fear is ridiculous yeah yeah and the, the week before that it had been a, i'd done an episode on on acceptance and like really accepting like yeah not just depression but actually accepting my workload yeah like this is i'm busy and i have lots to do but i love these things and that's okay yeah. which is great which followed up with feeling better yeah yeah and which followed up with this fear yes yeah the fear is <laughs> It's definitely something that arose for me a few years ago, and I, I faced it. My body actually reacted to it. I got this really bad neck um, mm. spasm. And when I noticed it was just me trying to hold on to this, I'm going back to depression, when maybe I'm not. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm not. <laughs> and along with acceptance, I was like, well, then I have to accept that I could Yes. Go back to being depressed again yeah. the way I have been. It's always up and down, and the down periods are sucky because they're just... Yeah, and you feel you, like you've always been there. Yeah, you're it's like, hopeless when you're there. And then in your slightly more up periods, when you're still depressed, when you're not better, but you're yeah. still depressed. Like for me, the slightly more up periods, it's, well, that's, it's, it's good, and it's not great, but it's yeah. okay, it's manageable. But it's being, feeling really good is scarier somehow. Oh. It is scary. I mean, that's totally the word is, is scary. You know, you're scared, at least for me, I'm scared that I'm going to get into, I'm going to get involved, I'm going to make new friends, and then maybe three weeks, two weeks, who knows how much later, I'm just going to fall off the face of the earth. And so it's like, do I do that? Do I pursue things? Or do I just stay happy in my little bubble? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, is, it is a sort of like not wanting to let people down because that's where I've been with things before where totally. it's like I commit to something huge like going to Mexico for almost a year on a grant mm -hmm. and then don't want to do it yeah yeah and don't think I can and, and when that happened it was actually one of these weird things I always feel like the universe is rearranging things so that my mm -hmm. life will work out in mm -hmm. some way mm -hmm. because I was writing my rejection letter I was actually writing a letter saying I'm not coming can't do this I just can't yeah. And um, not to even explain and just turn it down. And my friend who never Skypes me, who mm -hmm. was in, God, I don't know if she was in Africa. She was an aid worker. So she might've been in Asia or Africa. I think she was in Cameroon, but she popped up on Skype. She's like, Hey, what are you doing right yeah. now? I said, like, well, I'm turning down my full yeah, grade. Right now, <laughs> this is happening. And she said, don't do that. And I said, I can't go. Yeah. I can't go. And she said, defer it. There you go. Find out how long you can defer it. And I just rewrote the letter saying, yeah. I can't come at this time. How, what's the latest date I can come? They told me January 12th or 15th. And so I came on January 1st. 
And it was by then I actually told myself, I'm going to get on the plane and I can still go come home. I can still turn oh, yeah. it down. Yeah. There's always that opportunity to, to like gracefully rearrange your life that it's, it's interesting. I hate comparing this to like cancer, a disease, yeah. you know, another disease, but it is a disease. And mm-hmm. to be able to say, you know, I'm sick right now. Like I'm having an episode. I can't do this. It's totally okay. Whereas in your head, you're like, I'm just acting like a fool. This is not okay. <laughs> yeah, like why? I'm such an idiot. And everyone totally. was telling it was being reinforced by all these people. Like you have to go. You got a full brain. You have to go. And I'm yeah. like, I, I can't. I can't. You and yeah. my two best friends, one of them who lives around the corner, said, "You don't have to go." No. And I'm like, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> And her giving me permission allowed me to look at it differently yeah. and relax a little bit into it. And then having this other friend pop up out of the blue. I don't and think give she, you that opportunity of, of like, oh, change your view on it. Yeah, you can't get any yeah. perspective. You can't stand back. When you're really depressed, you can't stand back and look at things. And to have her stand back for me and go, just defer it. And, and I went, also, oh, that's so good. <laughs> you didn't reach out to her because it's that's impossible. But that that moment she reached out to you. That's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And I went to Mexico and it turned out fine. Awesome. I cried every day for a while, but you know, yeah, maybe but you a were year. There. Yeah, <laughs> but I was yeah, there. But you were there. <laughs> so, Sarah, tell us the story of your depression. I am, I'm 34. I got lost and told someone I was 33 the other day and then had to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but my depression probably started when I was 15 or 16. I was in high school. My family was really going through a lot of processing, realization of addiction in my family, mainly at the time with my two older brothers. And so I was dealing with a lot of emotional, I want to say baggage, but it was present. It It wasn't baggage. It was then. It was happening at the moment. And so emotionally, I was really down, I was dragging, I was sleeping a lot, and I just thought I'm a teenager, teenagers sleep all the time. But then there came other symptoms with it, such as really hating being around my my great crew of friends and just becoming incredibly agitated by their teenager stuff. <laughs> so my family was already involved in therapy and, and, and all that good path and I decided my mom decided for me to go to a psychiatrist and so at that time I I was diagnosed as being depressed clinically depressed I started on antidepressants at that point and probably went through three or four medications at the time Mm -hmm. I don't remember all of them I remember at one point I was on Zoloft and it was this really interesting like I'm not depressed but I'm also not happy or sad or excited or angry, like I was nothing. And there was almost a feeling of, I'll, I'll take this over being depressed. But we tried other ones, and I eventually got on one that, that was working that allowed me to not feel depressed, but also to feel the other range of emotions. And I was on that for a period of 10 years. So in that period of 10 years, I cycled. Hmm. And after, I don't know, after four or five, six years, you know, my head is in this total fear mode of I'm on antidepressants and I'm still going through these cycles of depression. Like maybe this isn't that maybe that's not okay. (laughs) I never really spoke up about it 
for I mean, it took me a while to speak to speak up about it and say, you know, this is going on. It's not comfortable. Um, my life kind of did this, you know, as we just said, I'd get involved in stuff and it'd start moving forward. And then I would just kind of drop off and fall back into this just kind of stagnant place, working, socializing to the point where it was just partying with friends, but just this cycle of I'm not moving forward. I'm not pursuing anything in my life. Um, I can't because if I do, I already, I know what happens. So I don't know if you know this, but about 10 years after I was on the first medication that supposedly really helped me, I was pushed by a family friend to get um, assessed for bipolar because of the cycles that I went through. And she actually suggested this for a couple of years, and every time she did, I my head, I'm kind of like, like, you're nuts. Like, I'm not nuts. <laughs> I'm on, I'm depressed, but I'm not crazy. But finally, I got to this point in my life where I was like, I'm holding up the white flag. Like, give me, do to me whatever you want. I can't do this anymore. I can't handle this anymore. I don't want this anymore. So I went to a new psychiatrist, and he was like, yeah, you're like clinical bipolar too. You have all the symptoms. I had, I had not looked it up on the internet. I hadn't done anything with it. So I went home that day and I looked it up and my jaw dropped. I'm just like, that's been my life the mm. past 10 years, like everything right there. <laughs> so I changed meds, which was hell. <laughs> um, it was probably a good month, month and a half two, maybe three months. I was living with my parents. I was 26. And thankfully, I have their support that my mom would drive me to the psychiatrist and get me out of bed and be like, you know, we're going to get through today. And and since then, things have really opened up. I haven't been, like I said, up until the last few months. I've still had these cycles. I've still had these lows and highs, but they are manageable. I've I've really learned about them. For instance, it's spring right now, and I know that I need to be aware of kind of a, a mania push. And, you know, that's taken me years to realize, like, okay, the weather's changing, it's getting warm outside, you might have to readjust the meds for a few days. So, yeah, I think in my process, in my story, there's been a lot of fight, but also a lot of learning. And I, I'm at this point where there's, man, there's, there's still a battle of acceptance and why the, why the hell do I have to take these medications every night? You look at them and I'm like, yes, they... They keep me here. I'm grateful, but so uncool. <laughs> so uncool. And I want to say so unfair, but like, what is fair? I'm grateful. I'm totally grateful to be where I am, have the resources that I have, have the support that I have, have the awareness and the acceptance of, I take my meds because they help me. I know there are experiences of taking meds and you feel good and you feel fine and so then you stop it and yeah it's an ongoing battle an ongoing battle with 
with acceptance and and again being grateful that grateful that they've worked grateful that i have found a combination that has worked for me i know people who are going from this to that and adding this and subtracting that and it's like nothing is they don't know enough to say like this is where you are this is your category this is going to help <laughs> it's like let's try this and try that i think a big aspect of me through my depression is is shame of you know so i graduated from a college prep school here in, in tucson a huge percentage of students went to out of state college you know have done the whole beautiful path of marriage kids awesome job i at that time did get into some great colleges and i also got into up with people i don't know if you've heard of them so that was going to be my path and they went out of business about 6 months out of high school so right when i was going to leave for them they went out of business and that was my first like deep depression so i've kind of been chasing that life that i thought i was going to have for I can't do math right now. Sixteen years, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting to this acceptance, to this realization that my life is where it is, and I've been working very hard to be where I am. I graduated from the U of A December of 2014, and it took me a long time. You know, it took me a lot of. registering for classes and withdrawing 6 weeks later and doing it again the next semester and yeah it's it's kind of that always being present to the constant challenge mm -hmm. and small wins are big wins <laughs> and loses are not forever and you know like you said earlier that that period of being depressed when you're you do you feel like you've been there the whole time like remembering past successes when you're depressed like doesn't still doesn't feel good you're still like whatever i have always been here i can't get out of here and it's almost like for me i like post it notes because when i'm depressed i can see them everywhere on my walls in my past bedroom i i wrote thank you on the ceiling so when i would wake up like that was the first thing that i saw um just to post you know post a note on your forehead just always having some kind of just something to remind you because you're not going to remind yourself it's going to pass you're going to get through this this isn't always it's not it, it has not always been like this it won't always be like this Thank you for your story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really relate to a lot of it. And the the thing that I love is how much support it sounds like you've had with your family, just yeah. those conversations and your mom taking you, like yeah. getting you out of that and taking you somewhere. I've been blessed with that. I mean, and I realize that. I definitely I definitely definitely realize that. Every depression I've had is tied to a specific event yeah. that had to do with loss or a feeling of abandonment. And I don't think that's uncommon. No, I don't think so either. Someone yeah. important dies and then you aren't okay for a long period of time is maybe it's, all right. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, I've heard that there are two types of depression. One is situational and one is chemical. Chemical. Um or biological, and I definitely believe 
you know, with my experience and it sounds like with yours, that the situational, if you are, if you can tilt chemical, that that situational gets you into chemical and right. then you're, then you're there and you can't, don't just pop back out. Right. It's like, it's grief if it goes on for a year or so. Exactly. It might be something else if it goes on for four years. Yes. And there is shame attached to that. That's the thing I really oh, relate totally. to. Like, yeah. Why do we feel so much shame, shame for just being is... ourselves? Yeah. What What is this expectation? And it's something that's that's happening to you. You know, it's not, it's not your choice. You're not just like, I'm really, I'm feeling really blue today. My brother also deals with depression and he and I were texting the other day and he's like, my brain is like noodles. Like I can't even think right now. And my advice to him was to just treat it as a sickness. When you have the flu, you don't go to work because you're, you're sick. Right. <laughs> so take care of yourself. Be gentle with yourself. I know it's almost impossible, but it's a bit of acceptance that you can just go, God, I'm sick and I feel like hell. And that's just what it is instead of like fighting, you know, this, but how do you do that when you're, when it's for three or four years, yeah. you know, you got, you have to live. You, and have you to teach work. college classes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to get out there and function. What I like about this show is how unique everybody is in the way that they experience their totally. depression, bipolar, anxiety, the mm -hmm. way that everybody experiences that is so unique. And yet the things we deal with and the ways we feel about it and the shame that yes. we feel, the unworthiness, the yeah. isolation is a thread through all those of core, it. Those core symptoms. And I don't know if I've thought this before right now, but this is a disease that is affected by the culture that you're in, the economic status that you have, the education that you have. It affects it, you know, the support mm -hmm. that you get. And some people are depressed and don't even realize it themselves. You know, they think that's just their normal, I'm a low kind of, if you want to say boring person, that's how I am. And then there's the other spectrum where they're, you get support, you have funding, you have the ability to go to a doctor. You have health insurance. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, there was a period for me when I, I didn't have health insurance and there were two things. One, I have a great doctor who would give me my monthly supply with samples, like samples that he would get from the distributor or whatever. And I would go in every month and pick them up for free. Whereas if I had to pay for them, it'd be $300 a month. And I wouldn't have been able to afford that. I just listened to something the other day that there was a woman doing studies, a study mm -hmm. on depression in poverty mm -hmm. because the, you know, if, you, if it's easy to say, if your life is going along smoothly and you've got a grant to go to Mexico, like, yes. like you know, you have this like achievement yes. and comfort and success, yeah. you know, it's easy to figure out okay, there's something wrong here because yes, I should between. be happy yeah. and I'm not. As opposed to somebody who's in a circumstance where of course they're going to be miserable because the circumstance is terrible. Yeah. So she looked at depression in, in poverty and started getting people to, to give them a series of tests to find out if they have depression. Mm -hmm. And one of the stories that they told was a woman who she got diagnosed with depression 
got the medication that she needed oh, man. and was able to leave the terrible husband. Yeah. Was able to spend time with her children. Yeah. Was able to get a job and hold it. Yeah. So like there's this hand in hand quality with like not having good health insurance. I mean, I'm a yeah. big proponent of like we have to have national yeah. health insurance. And yeah. I know this isn't a little stump speech here, but it's just like I have so often not had health insurance in my life. It's like some little layer. Like if you're below here, yeah. you're thrown into access and things like that. Yeah. If you're above here, there's nothing until you get that job that has insurance. That yeah. So it's all the working poor mm -hmm. who end up dangling out there mm -hmm. with nothing. And that's the kind of person who's overworked, exhausted, yeah. has kids, has responsibilities, and no support network and no yeah. money, who is exactly the person who would benefit from getting a diagnosis that maybe could get yes. them out of all of that. Get them out of all of that and get their kids this role model that's you know is going like, to help on them medication. grow up you know <laughs> exactly help them grow up help them take care of themselves help them pursue their dreams it, it i mean that's really interesting and like you said the the difference between how lucky we are you know that we have homes and food and good moments and family and and so we can tell the difference between feeling good and feeling bad as opposed to struggling and feeling bad the difference is this big right you know so right it's 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 a it's a funny thing because i you know we were talking earlier about before the show started about the 10 percent. apparently there's 10 percent people who have a major yeah. depressive episode and i keep thinking i'm hanging out with the 10 percent. yeah so is that is that mean i'm kind of skewed because you know i'm an artist <laughs> i have a lot of artists and musician friends and yeah. writers and of course that's yeah. all or is there just a conversation that's not happening yeah because people don't get diagnosed. I mean, how many people in these circumstances have major depression and wouldn't ever get treated because they don't yeah. have access or information, information and, is or huge. money or health insurance? Yes. And so, you know, so it's like, it's, it's really interesting to me to look at all the privileges and advantages I have. Yeah. And there's still struggle. And there's still struggle. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Exactly. It and really... then you feel shame again. <laughs> yeah, right? And then you're like, I, I'm struggling with this fantastic life. Like, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's also relative. I mean, if, if you are feeling like you can't get out of bed, what is, a, what is your great life? What, you know, you can't live it. You can't enjoy it. And I say that, you know, you, through all of the things that you had that were available, like getting help and having family support mm -hmm. and getting through it and accepting it. Yeah. Seems like you've found a formula that works for you. Yeah. Like, like I said at the beginning, and I'm so, every day right now, I am grateful for, for, for a couple things. One, definitely for being where I am right now. I don't know why I'm here. I'm still taking the same medication that I was taking a year ago, but I'm I'm so leveled out at the moment. And I don't have like we were speaking earlier, I don't have that fear of of pursuing a future and being not being able to be there when it comes. There's kind of this larger acceptance within me of I'm, I'm excited at the moment of pursuing it, and that's what matters right now. Wow. You know, if I get there and, I'm, and I can't be present, then I'll deal with it then. And I do think regardless of the stigma that's out there, which is huge and so widespread, I think 
with the radio show that you're doing with so many stuff so many things that are being brought to light out there that there are little bubbles there are little holes breaking up this this stigma and so when you are there I feel I feel I have every right at this point in my life to like I told my coworker a while back you know I, if I'm if I'm not working to par this is why like I'm I'm not doing my best up in here <laughs> so and giving yourself permission for that. Yeah. So like I just want to let you know that that that's that's where I am. Well that yeah. is a perfect note to end the show on. <laughs> cool. And thank you so much for being on the show and yeah. sharing your experience. Thanks. And I some thank advice. You for doing it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You're welcome. I thank think you. it's a great a great thing that's happening right now. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.